Welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. The sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We give us a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know, multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone, where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Reading is the key to unlocking your potential. Countless benefits, including cognitive and mental. Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential. Go get yours, I'll get mine. Make you strive Monumental Come rock with me And get down to this new jam Between my friends I had a very simple plan Educate the masses Through books and life lessons It's the Grand Slam I'm out Talo Falava And welcome to the Reads with Rossa podcast I'm so excited to introduce today's guest What an honor He is an educator Children's author Prolific writer And a self-publisher Welcome to the show the reading warrior, David Riley. Hey, Rosa. Malo, malo, lava. Thank you so malo much for and for yeah, just for the honor to be with you today. Thank Man, you. It's good to see David. How are things out there? Looks like it's a beautiful day out there in Tamaki Makoto, out in yeah. South Auckland. How's it yeah. going? <laughs> yeah, beautiful sunny morning here uh, in Okilani. Um, yeah, families all slowly waking up and mm. yeah, just trying to get through this pandem- pandemic, you know, everyone just, you know, everyone's a bit tired. I'm sure it's like that everywhere. Everyone's yeah. mentally, it's challenging, but you know, you wake up every morning, sunny skies. Yeah. It's oh, I'm jealous. Crazy. I'm jealous. Just a little <laughs> bit jealous of those sunny skies and that beautiful weather that I yeah. see there in the background. Um. I guess before we get started, can you introduce yourself? Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you, Rosa. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Rosa, for a chance just to share with you and be with you today. And yeah, it's it's really, it's beautiful to meet you. And yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is David Riley. Um, I grew up in the beautiful village of Mangere in South Auckland. Um, both my parents are, are Balangi. Um have Irish and Scottish um, ancestry, um, but growing up in Mangere, um, you know, surrounded by Maori and Pacific um, people, because as I was growing, um, it was when, when I was a child, um, it was mostly Maori and uh, Balangi families in my community. But as got into teenage years, most of the Balangi families left and replaced by Pacifica families. And so yeah, I, I um, just fell in love with Pacific and Maori culture and people. And yeah, and so growing up in Mangere was such an amazing uh, blessing for me. Um, going to school at Waikant uh, Primary, Arahanga Intermediate, Mangere College. And then from there, I went to uni, um, Auckland Uni, and I studied um, social anthro because now I had such a real interest in cultures. Mm. And so I studied anthropology there. And um, then I became a teacher um, at a school called Tangaroa College, which is in Otara, and I taught there for 23 years. And I also met my wife um, at Teachers College. Her name is Lawango Debi um, Tamuli, and her family's from the Alba'a and also Satawa and some other villages. And so, yeah, we um, yeah we met at the end of Teachers College, and um, so. Been with her since I've been a teacher as well. Um, and yeah, we have two daughters, um, both teenagers. Uh, one's at Macaulay, one just started uni. Um, and I also, as well as teach, I also write uh, books because, um, and, and it all started with seeing a need for books for um, Pacifica young people that wasn't there, you know, when I was teaching. So yeah, that's pretty much, it's pretty much me. Yeah. Man, no, that's not pretty much you. We're going to get, there's more. There is so much more to you. We're going to get into that. So thank you, David, for your intro, man. That was that was solid, I have to say. I want to just backtrack a little bit. Let's talk. So you speak Samoan very well. Let's go back to growing up in Mangere. How is it that you have, I mean, obviously your wife is Samoan. But even before that, how is it that you have such good Samoan? Like, how are you, how's your Fasamo so good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, 
Well, you know how I told you that um, all my Balani friends left, you know, right. it was around um, year 10, fourth, fourth form. And for about two years, I had no friends. <laughs> and then, um, but there's a park down the end of our street, Solid Street in Mangere. Yeah. There's a park there, and I used to go hang out there and smoke. You know, secret place to smoke. And, <laughs> and yeah, one time there was a, a Samoan uh, guy named Yeki. His house was across the road from the park, and he would come over there and smoke too, uh, secretly. You know, we were both yeah. hiding out from our parents, and then. Um, yeah, we became really good mates. And um, next thing you know, he said, asked me if I want to come over his place and went over and went inside his house. First of all, you know, all these things are just way different to me. Like, right. take your shoes off at the door. Um, mats all over the floor. You know, um, Jesus, um, huge Jesus um, picture yeah. on the wall. I have to, have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, galo on the, um, on the stove. Yeah. Boiling away, uh, gave me some galo, tried it for the first time, loved it, sold on it. And that was like, you know, and it was just a feeling as well, you know, the mm. feeling of being with, because all his family were there. And, you know, it was really, it was just really like a really beautiful feeling, you mm. know. And then there was one time that everyone was laughing. And then my mate's younger brother said to me, they're mocking you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you mean about the mocking, right? Yeah, they're mocking you. And so when, when he said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I better learn someone. So that's when I also decided to try and learn um, someone. So from that moment, I started carrying a notebook around with me and forever asking all my someone friends, how do you say this? How do you say this? And I just write it down in my notebook. And they were like getting sick of it, to be honest, after <laughs> a while. I always say, how do you say this? How do you say this? And then, um, so that's how, how, how I started to learn like conversational everyday someone. And also, like, through um, listening to Samoan music, like um, Bunia Laba. So, Bunia Laba, oh. man, I love, because my, my mate's mum would be playing Five Stars and yeah. um, Bunia Laba, and, man, I loved it. Eh? And so I, I got a Bunia Laba tape, and just by, I didn't, I didn't know what they were saying in the songs, mm. but I got the flow of the words, you know, through singing the words, I, I understood the flow of it and the sound of the words through singing them. And, and, and there was this one, there was this one time, this really cool song, man. It was so beautiful. Eh? It was like harmonies and just a real like laid back. Like if you could imagine like an island scene in the evening, you know, just really laid back. That was the music. And I wanted to know what is, what's the words? So I gave it to um, this, this, um, this old man who lived next to us, someone, man. And I gave it to him. I said, could you translate this uh, for me, please, the song? <laughs> and he translated it. And, the, and in English, the song was called Advice to Drivers. <laughs> it, was all about, it was all about how to drive safely in Samoa, like how to drive safely through the village and don't play on the road. And, you know, it was all this stuff, man. I was oh, like, hilarious. Oh, this is, yeah, this is a hard case. So those were, those were my, like, initial... Um, ways of learning Samoan and then and then it really it, it really grew when I went to Samoan church for um, for two years with um, I met some friends at uni um, Nathan Yellow family who lived in West Auckland and Junior was my, as my um, one of my closest friends and I ended up going with them every weekend back to their to their hood and then going to church with them every Sunday at um, Fitzwao Greyland Methodist Church and so that's when I really learned a lot because it was immersion, you know. Mm. It was, there was no nobody was like putting translating anything for me, and it was really it was really awesome. So those are some of the experiences that really helped me. Man, that sounds like it was such an adventure. I'm just imagining you, this Balangi kid, walking around with a notebook. <laughs> that I still is got that notebook. Dope. Yeah, I'll be writing it on anything, even receipts, like at a shop, we'll, we'll yeah. be sitting somewhere like McDonald's. Bro, how do you say this? And I'll write it down on the receipt. So I've got this box full of receipts. And like, even when I was working like Christmas part-time work in the, um, in the warehouse, I'll be asking the guys there, bro, how do you say such and such? And I'll write that down. I've got all these random bits of paper and notebooks and stuff with someone. And then I started branching out to other languages as well, like yeah. Nguyen and Tongan and asking yeah. you know, I was going Tongan to guys, ask. Hey, say this and 
the way you guys have to say this and this and so i was picking up you know just it's i'm not a fluent speaker it's more like just conversational right you know everyday talk that people would use mm. yeah but man that's you know what's so cool is because i think as islanders i mean i think any culture people of any culture just appreciate when someone makes an effort right to to mm. learn the language to try and you know, understand perspectives and understand the culture. So that's so cool. And I love, I love so much that you did it through music, okay? Because yeah. I feel I, I'm like that too. You have to, that's the thing with language. Like, you know, I can relate because I'm not someone like I really can't focus on like learning from a grammar book or something, yeah. right? So I have yeah. to, to do it with things that I enjoy, like music, like, you know, songs. So yeah. that's cool, man. I was wondering though, like being around a lot of Islanders then, you know, in the later years, like of your high school, did you ever do Polyfest? No, Polyfest wasn't around. Oh, at that time, time when you were coming yeah, up. It was still really small. So we mm. didn't we didn't have that. Um, I don't think I would have done it anyway yeah. because I, I it wasn't because this was towards the end of um high school that mm. you know this was like in my sim form year that I really yeah. started to become really interested in in Pacific cultures and yeah. Man, your wife's family must have been super impressed eh with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean man, they must have been shocked like hey what yeah. how do you know? <laughs> no, my mates my, my mates are, my mates always mock me because they say that I use it. <laughs> like, I use it on their parents too. I like, just learn and just say something, and then next thing you know, everything's open to you. Eh? So, I mean, it's always, they, they always mock me for that. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Um, reading. So, we in school, were you a reader? Um, you know, were you always into reading? Did you have yeah. teachers who motivated you to read, inspired you? Like, you know. Our uh, reading came from home, Rosa. So we we um my both my parents loved reading and they'd have stacks of books next to their, their bed, you know. And my mum was those mums who always buys secondhand books yes. and you know from markets and fairs and that and so we grew up surrounded by books everywhere at home. And so it's always been part of something that I've just done naturally is reading and loving to read. Yeah, so and, and I know I'm I'm blessed because of that because not everyone had that experience to grow up with it as such a natural thing to do. And, you know, to just have books just lying around. And that's my, that's part of what my motivation is when, when I write. And also some of the projects that I do now mm -hmm. is that image I had of growing up surrounded by books and wanting kids that I work with or in our community to have that same experience of just growing up and these books just lying everywhere. And every now and then you'll be bored, you'll read it, you know, and you just might read a little bit. But all of that literacy builds in you over time yeah. until it becomes just a natural thing for you to do. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm just so blessed that um, to have grown up and you know with parents who loved reading. You know, you mentioned um, teaching. So, are you still teaching right now, um, or have you? Are you just writing full time, or are you still in the classroom? You know. Yeah. So I finished um, my teaching at Tangaroa College at the end of 2020. Mm. And then um, I started, because I, I was doing, as well as writing, I, I do a lot of workshops with kids in different right. schools and projects okay. with um, community groups and that. So there's still a little bit of teaching, um, mm. but it's more my own, you know, like my own projects that I, mm. I can do and, yeah, and move around a bit more and, and just work with um, maybe a few more um, kids and also with community groups. Yeah, on that, on the, I want to get into that, the community projects, because I know that um, I was following your work last year and I saw that there were books released on the language weeks, which, you know, I thought that was so cool. But I know even before that, you were doing a lot of community projects. Like how, how are you, I mean, are you contracted? You know, how does that work? Are you contracted to like, to, by the ministry to do the workshops or are you um, reaching out and connecting with our community groups? Like, is it all self um, like driven kind of like you're out there kind of saying, Hey, this is what I do. Should we work together? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. So initially that's how it started Rosa by 
by just saying, hey, we can try something, we can do something. It started with a, a school in Mangere, um, mm. St. Mary McKillop School, and they invited me to, um, some of the children there invited me just to come and talk about reading to their assembly. And I asked them, why did you guys want me to come? And they said, they, they were really passionate, these young people about literacy. And they, they said they were sad that a lot of their friends will come into the library at breaks and just go on the computers and not read. And so they were they really wanted their peers to to fall in love with reading. And I thought, man, these kids are awesome, man. And they so they organized the assembly and everything. And after it, I thought, man, I want to do something more with them. You know, like not just a one-off thing like that. So I asked them, what about if we made a book together? And but but you guys be the writers and I'll just help you. And they were keen. So then the I asked the organization who funded the um, the, the talk part, could we do a writing part? And they said, yeah, there's a project called Writers and Communities. So we did that. And then that was really cool. So then from that moment, I thought, man, I want to do more of this. So then it's just a matter now of different, you know, local board might fund one and Ministry of Ed might fund one and the school might fund one. Yeah, it's just like trying to fish, you know, to try and get different um, support from different places to to do these projects. When you're going into the community, so it began with a school, but you've also, um, you know, there was a, a Tongan bilingual book that was released, I think, uh, was it Tuvaluan Nguyen yep. last yep. year? Um, when you're going into the communities, like, is it through schools that you are working with the writers or is it, that you create a workshop and these ideas come from there like i was wondering about uh the interaction with the different communities so for example with the tongan bilingual book um you know how what are the steps that you take um from start to finish to 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 create something like that if it's not in a school yeah cool awesome awesome Rosa. so those ones the new Tongan and Tuvaluan ones were all um, ones that came from Ministry of Education and they, they wanted to um, create more civic content. So they identified these three different groups and then they contracted um, Read NZ, which was the, they used to be the New Zealand Book Council, to see if they could get some writers to work with um, those community groups. So they asked me to do it because they're all based in Auckland. And, and they'd seen some of the work I'd done before. So I decided, okay, you know, Rosa, I don't, I don't, when I work with groups, I don't have a, a thing in my mind that this is what we're going to do, but um, we will talk together about what they want to do. And so like with the Tongan one, I had an idea what I wanted to do and I shared it with them. This is what I was thinking. What do you guys reckon? They didn't like it. <laughs> they didn't like my idea. Um, they said, no, we want, we, want, we want it to be about being Tongan and about um, this pride and being Tongan and like, okay cool awesome so we we did that and then that's what when we, once we had that one done then I showed the other two groups I said this is what I did with the Tongan group maybe we could do like a series and you know so it will look similar and they liked it anyway because you know they're, they're proud to represent their cultures as well so that's how how those came about and then just every Saturday we would meet with the children um it was in a Catholic church in Mount Wellington and so it wasn't connected to a school. These that those three projects were more like community-based ones, and the parents brought the kids along to it. You know, um, when you're working with, I mean, it's so man. It must be so cool just to be able to, like you said, you bring an idea, but then they, you know, these young students, young people. They've, they've, man, they've got their own ideas going on. It must be so cool, like, to listen, you know, to the brainstorming, to the sharing of those ideas. Like, how, like, what kind of emotions do you experience when you're working with our young people there? Like, man, it must yeah, be. The same. Yeah, it's the same as when I was I was teaching, Rosa. I think that's the, because the, I was teaching drama at uh, Tangaroa College for for the first um, 10 years, I taught English and then drama for the second 10. Mm. And what I really learned a lot from drama was don't have a set idea in your mind, you know, like have something to inspire you and guide you, but just see what happens. You know, as you work, you as, you, as you're going, things will, you know, 
things will happen. People will say stuff. Someone will do a movement that will trigger off a whole lot of different things nobody would have thought in their head beforehand, you know? So I really love that thing about drama, which keeps you open-minded and to just see where it goes, you know? And so, yeah, it's, I love that. And I, and I think, I, uh, I think everyone loves to work like that, you know, rather than be dictated to this is what we're doing. You know, um, these, these, these are my lesson plans. This is my ending. This is what it's going to look like to me. And now here we go, you know, but I, I, I know that everyone would much rather say, okay, guys, here's an idea. I got, it might look like this. Not sure. I'm going to mix what I do with what you do, put all our strengths together and we'll see what happens. And then, yeah. So I like working that way. That's so cool. How did you decide on the name Reading Warrior? Like what, you know, you must have like gone over like a list of names, you know. Rosa, to be honest, I don't even remember, Rain. Eh? <laughs> like, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't, I didn't sit down and think to myself, I'm going to choose a name for, you know, brainstorm names or whatever. It was more like, because I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. You know, I just started with, man, my kids need, these kids need a book to read, you know, for this project we're doing. Um, the Nguyen, some Nguyen um, kids in my class, because we were doing a, a project about cultural heroes. Mm. And one of the sources they needed to use was a book. And so at the end of the class, some Nguyen boys, two Nguyen boys came to me, so we don't know any books about Nguyen heroes. I said, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll help you find one. So we looked, we couldn't find anything, you know, written for them, you know. Um, so I thought, okay, you know what, guys, I'll write one for you that you can use. Okay, so I quickly like rustled up all my anthro notes and history notes and stuff and put something together and gave it to them to use for their project. But meanwhile, my I showed it to my uh, my best mate who's Nguyen, and he said, who's that for, bro? And I said, oh, that's for my students in my class. And he goes, man, you're thinking too small. What about the Nguyen kids who are like West Auckland or over the shore? They want to read about this too. You should get it published. And, you know, it was from that moment that my mate encouraged me to think bigger, you know, that I thought, man, yeah, true. So, so then, you know, got it published, right? And then just thought, oh, man, I might as well do another one then about Samoan heroes. And then, oh, okay, let's keep this going. So, you know, it just kind of like built along the way. And then, I, I, I man, to be honest, I don't even remember like mm. thinking of a name Reading Warrior or, or, or how it came to be. Um, I do know how I got the logo. Yeah. that was like a god blessing man but i do not know mm. yeah where the name came from you know so you start publishing these books you know you write about different heroes um you know like samoa nguyen tongan you then take these books back to your classroom i mean what was the responses from your students were they like you know like because I know you have a love for reading. I know literacy is super important to you. And part of this is really trying to get your kids, your students excited and motivated about reading. So what were those initial responses, you know, from your students when they see that you are starting to publish books that perhaps they're seeing characters that they can relate to and stories that resonate with them? Yeah. Um Rosa, like, I'd love to tell you that they were like, sir, not the man, and sir, wow, not this the is man, no. <laughs> nah, like, it was more like, yeah, it was more like, you know, your own kids, like, my own yeah. kids haven't even read any of my books, you know, it was more like that, like, they just see, they just know you as you, and they see you every day, and they're like, oh, sir, did you write a book? Yeah, oh, cool, what are we doing today? You know, like that. Very so, yeah, but it was more like the feedback from other um, schools, mm -hmm. you know, and teachers and librarians, or send me feedback about you know how somebody was so excited to read a book or take a book home and read it with their grandmother you know or the book has gone and stolen you know and every time they buy it it gets stolen you know just those kind of stories there that, 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 that let me know i was on the right track <laughs> That's so funny um you've written books um you know like i think Books that can really resonate with um, male readers, like you know, like I know you you write generally for you know both female and but what I'm talking about, like 
you know, like sports heroes like Benji Marshall. I mean, I'm a league fan, so, you know, um, you know, Sonny Bill Williams. I mean, those books must really capture. I mean, do you have a panel or like of students or young people that you publish and you, you say to them, here are some books, read them, give me some feedback? Or is it just the feedback coming from the educators and the, you know, the institutions? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you gauge whether it's reaching the kids, like it's really reaching, because I read somewhere that you, you know, part of this whole, um, you know, starting to write books um, for your students was really to fill in the gaps, you know, there's so many books that aren't there that they need to see, you know, they need to read and see themselves. And so, yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, how, how yeah. do you gauge what's working and what's not working? Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, to be honest, Rosa, like, I, I, I'm not, I never analyze, you know, and I'm not like a kind of person that says, hmm, what's working, what's not working? And, you know, I, I just like feel this urgency to just get books out there, you know? And so my, my thing is, okay, does a Tongan young person like MMT? Of course <laughs> they do. I'm going to make a book about MMT. Right, right, right. From MC, and I know they'll read it because they like MMT. So right. anytime a young person who sees a book with a picture of MMT on it, they're going to pick it up, yeah. you know, and they're going to read it because they love MMT. And that's that's all that it is for me. It's like the sporting, the sport ones is because it's a hook, mm. you know. It's like for, for kids who haven't been blessed to grow up with reading experiences like me, they need something motivating to make them want to read, you know. So here's a hook. You know who Stephen Adams is. Here's a hook. Here's a little yeah. book about him. And it's written in a way that you'll be able to understand. And the chapters are not too long. And there's lots of pictures. But there's also, you know, it's not it's not um, dopey. You know, but there's language that will challenge you a little bit too. But you'll see language you're familiar with. And so it's just a hook, you know. But then I didn't also want kids to, to I didn't want to promote stereotypes of Pacific mm. people are, are just athletes, Athlete, you know? yeah. so that's why the heroes books, which feature scientists and mm. writers and doctors and leaders yeah. and historical yeah. people, but the the sport ones, they're definitely they're meant to be hooks to mm. catch those kids who haven't really enjoyed reading, and a lot of times that is boys, but it's also girls as well too. Do you ever hear from uh, teachers and librarians from other parts of New Zealand? You know, yeah. that, so you do get feedback from, yeah. from them. Man, Rosa, it's shocking. Like, remember the book I, I told you I did with uh, um, St. Mary McKillop School, yes. right? And after we did it, we published it. And asked, we, we published 100 copies because it was just for their school. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh, that will probably be the end of it. You know, like, it'll probably just be read by, by this community and by their families and that. No, people from like all over New Zealand schools, they wanna they want to buy that book and even an Aussie as well. And I was like, why oh, yeah, yeah. And I asked there was a principal in um in Vicargo who wanted to buy the book. And I asked him, why did you want to buy this book about these kids growing up in Mangere? And he said, because they 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 do a lot of work with their kids on um comparing lives and lifestyles mm -hmm. and understanding what it's like to grow up in different areas, you know. And so the awesome thing that I love, Rosa, is that now those kids in other parts of New Zealand, not because the, the, usually the only stories they have of South Auckland is the media-driven ones, right? Right. And so, you know, their, their, their image of what South Auckland is is, is from news mm. or newspaper or whatever, um, which is most often negative. But mm. now we have a counter, you know, we have a counter um, argument or true what South Auckland really is, written by kids from South Auckland, you know, going out across New Zealand and also into Australia as well. So that's a that's a that's a beautiful thing that I really love about um, the work. So I want to talk about South Auckland. Um, you know, the love for South Auckland. It's you know, a place where you grew up, and you mentioned, you know, just with media. You know, there's always negative. Um, reporting of things that happen in South Auckland as opposed to celebrating 
success and you know the great things that are being achieved there so how has it changed like in terms of, you know you've grown you've grown up and you grew up in Mangere like um how has South Auckland changed from your perspective um back then to now community wise yeah um man I don't think it has changed Rosa I think mm -hmm. it's still I feel like it's still the same like mm -hmm. you you see what you focus on there eh? You know, so if you if you want to focus on negative things, then you'll see those. If you want to focus on the beauty of mm. our community, then you'll see that. I think so. Yeah, I think that um, it's always up to us to tell the stories right. um, and not wait for someone else to tell the stories. You know, or you know, because if we do, they they'll, they'll tell it their way. Right. So yeah, I think um, this is a, it's an amazing place to grow. You know, to live. Um, it's a blessing to have grown up here. Mm. You know, with the COVID situation, I've, um, you know, I've heard educators just worries, you know, access to, you know, students having um, just lack of access to Wi-Fi, to resources, you know, during COVID times, you know, it's been quite hard. Um I know you you finished school at that you wrapped up teaching at the end of 2020, but COVID was already like beginning of 2020, right? Running through right started from 2020. So, yeah. you know, what were some of the struggles that you were seeing your own students and their families go through? Because you know, there were also many students who had to leave school to support their families because people were, you know losing their jobs and things yeah. like that yeah yeah definitely yeah, lots of struggles rosa mm -hmm. um connectivity like you said um mm -hmm. access to devices you know sometimes sharing one device between you know multiple family members some sometimes trying to do schoolwork on a phone mm. you know you can't you can't do that even finding a space um to work you know in the home was hard sometimes um but i think a big thing too was just the, the the lack of relationship, you know, because Pacific kids love to work together with people and with their teachers, you know, and we all love to work together face to face and hands on and stuff, you know, and that's, I, I think that a lot of our kids also struggled with online learning because, you know, it's not, it's not a real way of learning, you know, it's like you, you, you're hearing the content but you're not really getting the feeling of, you know, mm. and the the camaraderie and the spirit of when you're working together as a group on something and making things together and encouraging each other and, you know, finding out, hey, I see you're struggling today, what's up? You know, things like that. Um, I think that a lot of that has been challenging and a lot of, also a lot of our families also, they're involved in community work, you know, as well, you know, and helping out with food banks and, Things like that. So a lot of our kids are, were heavily involved in, in that stuff as well, which became more of a priority than attending an online class, you know, was mm -hmm. out in that Wotara and, you know, being able to take um, food parcels around to families. And, you know, so there were a lot of kids that were involved in that kind of stuff as well with their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, you were putting out a call like last year, earlier again this year, um, even earlier than that, about sponsoring people, sponsoring books for families. Did you get a lot of response from outside for that? Like, yeah. how is that going? Yeah, definitely. Yes, a lot of response, Rosa. was really awesome, eh? So we called that Kainga Puka Puka, which mm. means home libraries. And the thing was, when the um, in the first lockdown, um, schools were closed, libraries were closed. You know, so our kids had no access to books. So, mm. man, the thought was, okay, I've got these books here that I've printed that are just sitting here. Man, let's. Uh, I've wondered, is there a way to get these books into the homes of the, the families? The families are not going to buy them because books is not really – that's a luxury, you know, for a lot of people to, to buy. So who are the people that can afford to buy books and gift mm. them? So I reached out to businesses – 
and I reached out to professional people and local boards as well. And yeah, so many people supported that project to get the books into the homes of families so that they could get food parcels and they could also get book parcels. Can you tell us about self-publishing? Because man, I, I've heard people who talk about self-publishing and it's, it's man, it's hard work. So what has that, that, I mean, it's one thing to do the, you know, to, to engage with the community and work with the community, do the writing, but the publishing, what has that journey been like, or at least learning curve for you? Yeah, man, steep learning curve, Rosa. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, after, because the, the first book I did, the one about Nguyen role models, mm -hmm. that was published by a, a publishing company. Oh, yes. And, and um, when I signed the contract with them, I was just like, oh, man, awesome. I'm going to be a published author. That was in, in my mind. You know, I was just so right. excited to, 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 to the idea of being a published author. But then after that, I was like, oh, man, I don't like this. Because <laughs> that moment they owned it, you know, yeah. and I didn't even read the contract properly. Right. I was just too, you know, but what I meant was they owned the work from that moment and they owned mm -hmm. the look of it. They own the price they're going to set for it mm. and they set a price that you know people will not be able to afford the who i was writing for you know kids um they control when it goes out mm. you know they control where it goes to and you know for me rose i was like nah i just want to get books out i don't care about market time you know when's the best time of year to put a book out or you know I, um ultimate uh, pricing and all this stuff you know um, location, I, man, I didn't care about that. I, I just see there's an urgency, a need for our, our kids, need books, man. And so I'm not going to, you know, wait around for you to say, yes, I like your book. You know, I will publish it. This is when we'll do it. Nah, you know, like I was thinking, man, I'm going to, you know, there's too much need. So the next book, which was the Benji Marshall one, I thought, man, I'm going to just try and have a go myself publishing it. So I, I got it. Um, I did the text. And then I, uh, I wasn't sure, what do you do now? So then I realized, oh, you have to find someone who knows how to turn the text into a book designer, a designer. So then I had to find photos. So I got all the photos, found them in different places, um, realized that you have to buy them. You, know, right. you have to actually buy the photos. You can't just download photos. Um, and you have to get permissions, you know, from the people in the photos and the people who own the photos, all that stuff. And then sent the photos and the text to a designer. And then the designer put it together in a file that looks like a book. Mm. And then I sent it to a printer in Auckland and it was like a hundred copies for a thousand dollars. I was like, oh, what the <laughs> Okay, so had to go into overdraft to, yeah. to do it. Got a hundred copies of this Benji Marshall book and then they all sold. And I was like, okay, cool. So, I, um, you know, my gut was right that not only my students, but people around New Zealand as well are looking for these kind of books for our Pacific and Māori young people. So then did the Stephen Adams one and mm. then, you know, Sunny Boo and carried on. And then got to a stage where I was like going back and forth to this Auckland printer, thousand mm. dollars a time, you know, and it was, you know, it was a lot of money. I was, man, I wonder if there's a better way to do this. And then I looked in a lot of books I saw printed in China. I was thinking, printed in China? Wow, printed in China? Yeah, what? printed in China. And I was thinking, oh, okay, so I Googled print, printers in China and found heaps of printers in China and got some quotes. And then I thought, okay, it felt, I don't know, it felt risky to me. You know, it felt yeah. like, because it was more like, it was going to be like $4,000, $5,000, including the shipping, but you'll get a 1,000 copies, oh. you know, rather than, 100 copies for a thousand so then i was like oh man okay shucks this is ah oh, this is big like this is a risky thing to do like i don't even know like who are these people in china like you know and i thought ah oh, man and then i heard the saying scared money don't make none and Ooh. then when i heard that saying i was like okay just give it a try and then so i, I sent the book to, to china stephen adams one and and i got the thousand copies for Roughly five thousand New Zealand dollars, mm. you know, and then thought, okay, yeah, this can work, and then just continued that way. And then the good thing about having a thousand copies means mm. that 
there's there's heaps to give away, you know, and there's heaps to put into these different projects. Mm. Whereas if it's a hundred copies, man, I can't give it, you know, <laughs> and, and if it's ten dollars a copy, I was yeah. like, oh, man, you know, someone will say, can you donate us? I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Painful, but yeah. So the thing with um, the thing with being an independent publisher is mm. that, man, you you know. Because because a lot of a, a lot of people do it, and there's a there's sort of a negative stigma to it as well. Like you know, there's a feeling like ah, oh, you know, person couldn't get their their work published by a, a real publisher, so they publish it themselves. You know, there's a stigma. Hey. To it. So I always had in my in my thinking, my thought, man, I got to make this the best it can be. You know, mm. to make sure that you know no one will. It's it's not the best quality, to be honest. My writing, I don't think. You know, but I send my work to a professional editor, so all my all my writing is edited, and I use a professional designer, you know, and I use professional printers, so nobody can say that, you know, I'm just trying to do things for cheap, and mm. you know, just to, you know, get it out. But I have in my mind that I want to I want to make it the best I can make it, so that it can, you know, can can still represent literature in an honourable way and the stories of the people as well but yet still be affordable yeah and and you know like i encourage like sometimes people say can i publish their you know people ask me if i can publish their their work but i never i never want to do that rosa like i never because i don't want to be that person that says oh no i don't think anyone will want this or you know i don't think i don't i don't want to be so what i what i do instead is say I won't, I won't publish your work, but I can show you how to publish your own work. So you own it, and I'll just show you exactly the same steps that I went through, and mm. then you own it, and then you don't have to have anyone say, I believe in your work, or, you know, I pick you. You can pick yourself, and you can pick yourself anytime. So that's what I've done with a few people, which I love. Is, yeah, I love being able to do that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I feel there's a to be continued to this. Like, man, this, oh, man, this is so inspirational. Like, it's just so cool to hear. Just how passionate. I'm just going to close the window because of the, um, the lawnmower. No. Oh. Man, David, it's so inspirational to hear you talk about this process because I think, yeah, I guess people just don't realize just the hard work, the decision making, the risk taking that goes into, you know, into the process. I had to ask, I was so curious, eh? Like, I was like, I wonder what he goes through to do this when I read self-publisher and I thought, hey, um, but it was interesting how you mentioned contracts, you know, and, you know, reading the fine print and who owns the work, because I think, um, you know, we hear those stories all the time, you know, for our people and not just in, um, you know, literature and, you know, getting written works out, it's in music and, you know, in the in the creative spaces, other creative spaces as well. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. I was um, wondering about your workspace. Like, what does that look like? Where, where does, um, I mean, as you've shared, you know, a lot of the stories, you know, come from ideas in the community and, and then you write that. Where, what does your workspace look like? um where do where does that inspire i mean inspiration comes from the community everywhere. and our young yeah. people everywhere but you know do you have just like a, a space where you need to go and work and that's it leave me alone i have to do this <laughs> or are you a music person i mean what does that look like for you <laughs> when i first started my my children were really were, were really young and you know i was still full-time teaching so right. the, so the only time i could write was during the holidays, mm. you know, so we take them to the park and then I'd write while they're playing at the park, I'll be writing or at nighttime, you know, when they go to sleep and that, mm. but 
you know, now they're, they're um, both teenagers and, you know, they, they, they go to school and my wife's at work. So this background you see behind you, that's, <laughs> this is my work. This is where I work. Yeah. And I like, I, I, I work best in the morning. Um, I find it easier to work, like, say, from about 8 to 12, like, on writing and that. And then right. in the afternoon, do other things. But I really like the morning. And I have that quiet. I, right. I'm not a person that likes music or yeah. or noise or even people talking. Yeah, I have to, like, have I have to have quiet to do it. So, yeah, that's about everyone. What I know, Rosa, is that everyone is different, too. Mm. And sometimes, you know, writers give advice and tips and all that stuff. But to be honest, what I've seen is that everyone is different, eh? Mm. And, you know, some people have a goal of how much they want to write a day. Like, I'm going to write 300 words a day or yeah. an hour a day or whatever. But for me, I just always go with the flow and just see how I feel that day. And, mm. you know, if I get on a roll, I just carry on. And right. if I don't feel like writing that day, then... You know, I'll do something else. Mm. It's always different. You know, um, you also do, it, it's not just like the reading books, you do workbooks as well. You know, like, is that something like in terms of education, is that something that you'd like to do more of? Workbooks that can be used in the classroom? Um, or, you know, do you want to like perhaps write I don't know, YA novels. I mean, is, do, you, do you plan to branch out into other areas or go more into the educational resources side? I mean, obviously your books are educational resources, but, you know, workbooks and things like that. Like what what does that look like for you in your, in your like long-term plans or short-term? Yeah. yeah, well, the work, the, I've only done um, two workbooks and, yeah. you know, they, I did them because I was teaching at the time English right. and, and needed something to, you know, to teach reading comprehension skills, but mm -hmm. use rugby and league, you know, things that I knew my students were interested in. But now that I'm no longer teaching English, yeah. I, you know, it feels too much like teaching English, you know, to, <laughs> to too much work. Oh. Yeah, it feels too much like, it feels too much like um, teaching mm -hmm. you know, English. So mm. I, I don't really feel that when um, someone asked me if I could do a social studies um, yeah. workbook, I was like, ah, oh, man, you know, like I'm, I'm interested in the content, but the idea of thinking up activities. Yeah. You know, it's like, like back in the classroom. Eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You're back in the classroom. So, but, uh, but, uh, but I have been working with NZQA, a um, mm. group branch, and we've been uh -huh. making some things to, uh, encourage Pacific young people to think about different career options and careers in STEAM. And mm. yeah, and that, that's been really fun, like working with them on those kind of projects, but not so much workbook types of, yeah. of ones. Yeah. So any, can we expect um, any novels or anything from you? Like, you know, no, uh, you don't want to. Not... Like I wish I could, Rosa, because... Yeah. You, you know, like, there's still, like, only a handful of Pacific novelists, right? Mm. You know, even after all this time, it's still the same ones that everyone can name. But it shouldn't be like that. You know, you should be able to to be un, unlimited naming of them. I like writing about real things because I don't have to think what happens next. You know, like, when I write a biography about someone, like, I'm writing one about Israel Adesanya at the moment. Oh. And, man, it's really funny. I don't have to think, oh, what happens next in his life? Because we already know what happened. Right. You know, when I'm writing about his childhood and his teenage yeah. years and all that. So, yeah, I find that writing um, novels and fiction is, is yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not good at making up stories. <laughs> you never know. Just saying. <laughs> never say never. Who are some of your favorite authors? Oh, man. Okay. Um, Robert McFarlane. Do you know his yeah. work? No, but man. okay, I'm gonna look it up. I'll look it up after this. Oh man, Robert McFarlane. I didn't know about his work, um, but the the, the Auckland Writers Festival last year mm -hmm. okay. or the year before was was um was cancelled because of the, the pandemic. But mm. so they had the writers online um talking and they um they interviewed um Robert McFarlane. And 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 I thought, oh man, it's cool. He like he likes writing about um, nature stuff, 
which I'm usually not interested in. Like and I don't care. Yeah, I'm usually not interested in reading about mountains and you know forests. And, but the way he writes Rosa is really awesome, me. And he wrote he 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 wrote a book about um uh, underworld. So okay. under every city, there's an under there's tunnels and there's people that live there and there's like all oh, the I things. I believe that though. I believe I'm just yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, man, I, I always wonder. <laughs> yeah. So just that, like, and the way he writes about um mountains, because he's a mountaineer as well. He mm. he he and he, he's an explorer. But honestly, Rosa, I'm not interested in that <laughs> stuff. But the way he writes, right, it's, it's just really the way he describes things is just really awesome. And if you if you love good writing mm. and 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 if you love like the way you know if you love reading like really awesome ways of describing things then robert mcfarlane mm. is uh, uh yeah he's he's awesome i'm gonna yeah. look him up after this i'm i'm so intrigued right now i have to yeah. look him up um you know when you think okay you've talked about the the you know you talked about publishing and i was thinking about risk you know being a risk taker you know because as educators we you know encourage our students you know step out of that comfort zone um do something that you wouldn't normally do take a risk um when you look back on this whole writing journey um what has been the biggest risk that you have taken in your yeah. writing career? Yeah, thanks, Rosa. Um, but I think probably the the biggest one is putting yourself out there. Mm. You know, like once you once you make a book and you print it and you put it out, then you open yourself to people judging, you know, and saying, this is crap, this is trash. Or, you know, who's this guy? You know, mm. it's the safest thing is just to stay unknown and silent and, you know, just write a book for my own students, just that they read, you know. Um, but putting myself out there, especially with the topics that I write about too, because I'm not Pasifika, you know, I'm Palangi. And so the topics that a lot, most of the books that I write about are about Pacifica people mm. and Maori people, you know? So that's a risk in itself and, and you know, and people judging me saying, who's this white guy trying to, you know, trying to make money off our, our cultures or, you know, who's this white guy trying to say who our heroes are, you know? So there's a lot of um, risks around that, that, you know, that, that, that I've tried to like make sure I take steps to protect myself as well by, you know, by, you know, being accountable to people and by working with people and collaborating rather than just being, you know, it's all about, you know, what I think, you know. And yeah, because I mean, with a lot of your work, that's what I I love seeing is that you are in the communities, you are talking to elders of the community, you're in there engaging, you're not just, it's not like of the work, of your work and what I've seen, what I've read, um, you are listening, <laughs> you are asking questions. And I, I, I feel like um, there are a lot of people who don't do that, <laughs> you know, but I, from what, from the work, from your work and what I've seen that you are in there, it's about the authentic uh, stories. It's about um, not you controlling the narratives, but really listening to the people. And I think that in this day and age that we live in, it's difficult for people to do that. <laughs> so I yeah. love that you you consciously um, go out there and actually say, um, while I have ideas, it's important for me to tell your stories. And I, I, I think, you know, that, you know, mad respect for that, like huge respect because it's so easy um, for people to just kind of ignore that and just go and kind of write what they're seeing and observing you know yeah and also like you know for people who don't know me mm. to assume things about me because they see i'm balangi you know mm. and, and and to assume that you know what my motives might be or mm. what my process might be 
like based on you know previous examples you know and and there's a lot of learning along the way too and and, and i'm always still learning like like for example this new and um, story we we did last year it's a new legend and um for children and my neighbor's new way okay and, and his family's pretty prominent in his village and I said to him, hey, bro, um, do you reckon it'll be all good for me to do this Nguyen um, story and make it into a, a book for children? And he goes, yeah, bro, that's all good. And I said, oh, okay, cool, cool. And um, would you mind translating it for me, bro? And I, I'll pay him to translate. So he did that and then published the story. And then I got a phone call from uh, this lady who works for the Nguyen radio. And mm. she goes, oh, we see that you published a, a, a story, a Nguyen story. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, well, did you get permission to um, to publish that that story? And I said, yeah, yeah. I asked uh, my my neighbor, and she <laughs> and she said, oh, what village does he come from? And I told her the name of the village, and she goes, that that story doesn't come from that village. This comes from my village, and you're supposed to come to see the elders of my village to get permission to use that story. You know. So then I had to do a Zoom. It was intimidating, man. I had to do the Zoom and with the, the elders from that village and apologize to them for, because other people are taking their story too and, and, and used it in different forms and they and they don't like it. You right. know? So I had to apologize to them for taking their story without their blessing. And, and it was intimidating, but it was a good process for me to go through to realize that, for example, Nui, a story doesn't just come from new air, it comes from an actual village. Right. You know, if you want to do something with that story, you then you need to actually go to the the elders of that village to get mm. their blessing. And they did bless it at the end, you know, which I was really grateful for. And they forgave me for my <laughs> error, you know. And so I was I was grateful for that. I was like, shucks, man, that was like you didn't have to take any like um oh i'm i'm imagining man if that was someone you like had to take you some more you didn't have to take any of that stuff did you no i just had to send them free copies of the book (laughs) oh man i mean you know like think you know honestly david i appreciate that you're sharing this because you know, like you said, there are a lot of people who probably don't know you and have all these misconceptions. And but you know, I really appreciate you coming into the space to share. Um, you know, because it's difficult when you're like vulnerable and and it's you know like putting yourself out there. So you know, man, I, I it is. I just appreciate you being honest and just being like, hey, you know, look, this is this has been my journey, you know, I learn, I unlearn, I'm, it's just, you you know, forever evolving as a writer, so, you know, I appreciate that, and I'm sure that, you know, the listeners are tuning in will also, you know, just appreciate your just, you know, trust and honesty and, and what you're bringing into the space, so, for Thank real, <laughs> I appreciate that. I was wondering about self-care, you know, as we start to wrap up, how do you, um, move out of the writing space um and focus on things that i mean i don't want to say the things you enjoy because obviously you love to write and 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 you know but what do you do aside from writing that that for mental health and well-being yeah awesome awesome rosa so i got a family so you know just having that just having a family means that you can't just sit at a computer all day. You know, you can do a certain <laughs> amount. Yeah, maybe that guy, you know. But then, you know, you, you know, I got daughters and I want to hang out with them. You know, have a wife and I want to hang out with her and we want to do stuff. And so, yeah, it, it um, yeah, and then I, I just try and like go for a walk every day. Like you get a lot of, I get a lot of ideas when I walk. Yeah. So. You know, do you, how do you get ideas, Rosa? Like, what what's one way that ideas come to you a lot? Um, uh, yeah, usually on my commute, like, I've always got to have music. Like, I'm a real daydreamer, man, and I'm just like, if, like, I'll see something or hear something. Like, I'm just inspired by, like, music, beats and music, instrumental, and then that, you know, notes app on my phone. I just... Me. I'll see something. I'm such a daydreamer. <laughs> yeah. That anything can get me really kind of like hooked. So 
Yeah, awesome. I think for me, movement, eh? Movement, walking, even playing basketball, like because I've got a um, got a hoop outside in the mm. driveway, and sometimes just shooting or going for a walk, and and I start to get ideas. So I think for me, it's movement when I mm. move. Um, but man, I love that Rosa. Like how is what kind of music like most inspires you? Like oh, good, man, you, you man, cool? I listen to like I listen to I guess so I'm I, I love. Uh, rap music, you know, I love hip hop culture, right? But um, I mean, I just sometimes in the morning I'm listening to praise and worship, you know. Other times I'm listening to just lo-fi beats. I just look for a playlist. Sometimes it's jazz instrumentals. I I just um, it depends on the mood, and you know, the commute here is super crazy, so I have yeah. to have music otherwise. I just get like super anxious and annoyed and <laughs> all of that. Well, you know, you've been to Tokyo, yeah. you've been to Japan, you've seen, you've seen yeah. the commute. Man, that's crazy. Eh? Yeah. And the commute into Tokyo is, I mean, what's great about here is that <laughs> the trains come so often. Yeah. What is really weird to me is the fact that they come so often and still people are trying to push onto the train. Yeah. Like, Wait for the next one that's coming five minutes. So all of that, like, if I didn't have music or a book on my phone to read, like, it, it just ruins my morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm just, you know, you're trying to get, like, in the zone for the day. Yeah. But, you know, one little nudge is like, oh, that's it. Bite me down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Got to keep the teacher hat on. Got to keep it on tight. <laughs> this commute can just... Get someone arrested. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite book or even a book that perhaps you read to your daughters when they were growing up? Recent read? Yeah. Since, um, you know, I really love reading um, biographies mm. um, because I, I love reading about the journey of, you know, people who are successful and, and it's really encouraging because almost every single time, you know, the journey's the same, you know. There's right. a whole lot of years of struggle before they slowly began to see some success and mm. then success built, you know. It's mm. never just we're born and then we're successful. And I always find that really encouraging and, and motivating. So um, one book like that would be um, a book called So Much to Say. It's about Bob Marley and it's about the... Um, it's, it's just about his uh, his story told through people who worked with him, mm. um, some of the whalers. And well, it was really awesome, awesome to just read about his struggles. You know, it was 10 years of him working as a musician before he, he even got a record contract with Island wow. Records. You know, 10 years. Like, man, you know, what keeps a person going for 10 years with, with, you know, with no success at all, you mm. know, but yet now when we say the words um, Bob Marley, you know, like everyone around the world knows him, but mm. it was a point in his life where he was working, you know, and seeing other people become successful, not him, you know, and, and I, you know, and I, I find stories like that really inspiring. And I also love the, the part that he that talked about how he was starting, he was starting up a recording studio in mm. Kingston, Jamaica, when he died, which is really sad, you know, to think, but he, he was starting a recording studio so that Jamaicans wouldn't have to leave Jamaica to go right. and make records like they had to, when you know, for like he had to. He mm. wanted Jamaicans to be able to have a place they could come to and produce and own their own music, you know? And that's the thing that I really love, and I'm inspired by that idea as well. So I really recommend um, that book so much to say um, about Bob Marley as a, as a great read. Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm going to look it up after this. I'm so intrigued. I want to know more. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, I, I really just, uh, before we end, I wanted to, um, again, just thank you so much, David, for taking the time out to come on the show um, you know, have a cordero with me. It's just been eye-opening. Um, I've learned a lot, as always, with guests that have come on and shared in the space. You know, I appreciate it. Um, I know you've got lots to do. I know it's the weekend, it's family time, so <laughs> it, it 
a lot that you've come through. Um, I really just want to wish you all the best. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what other projects uh, you are going to drop this year. Um, and I just want to just encourage you just to, yeah, just keep inspiring um, and keep that passion for literacy and reading going. You know, there's such a need, you know, there's a huge need for books out there for our for our mm. students, for our young people. So, um, you know, keep going. <laughs> you got this. Um, and, thank yeah. you. <laughs> and you too, Rosa. Man, thank you for what you're doing. You know, Rosa, what you're doing, you're also working so hard to promote literacy and to promote reading and books, you know, and working as a teacher, which I know what kind of job that is. You know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing but very demanding job, you know, and, and living in a, um, a country, you know, where you, you know, with it's familiar to you now, but you know, there's a lot of challenges that come your way. And man, Rosa, you know, you too, man, keep on going with what you're doing and, you know, encourage you to, um, if there's a, if there's something out there we could do together, man, I'd love to do a project with you. If we could do something together and even talk again one day about something else would be, would be really awesome. I, I'll, yeah, I'll be so honored to work with you, Rosa, and thank oh, you for, man, for what you're doing. Thank you so I much. I appreciate it. Oh, man, the man. I appreciate it. Um, Final words, David, I want to hand it to you. Just go back to you and say final words. Um, what What are some words of encouragement that you have for for people who are who don't like reading, who kind of haven't found that book that, you know, like what, yeah. what would you say to them? Yeah. You just have to find that one cool book. That's it. <laughs> Once you find that one cool book, you'll 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 be on your way, and you know it's worth looking for. Because man, there's billions of books in in this world, and there's definitely one cool book that you will love, and it's worth it to hunt it and to look for it until you find it. Because as Rosa and and I both know, man, reading will change your life, and reading is such a, a it's such a um an amazing blessing to be able to read and to enjoy reading. There is one cool book out there that's worth hunting it down. And, and just an encouragement for anyone who who would love to write as well. Don't wait for someone to tell you, I pick you. I believe in you. They might not happen. Pick yourself. And <laughs> in yourself. And and you, you know, you don't have to wait anymore. There's there, there doesn't have to be a gatekeeper, you know, between you and publishing your work and putting your work out into the world. So yeah, pick yourself and put yourself out into the world. And that, yeah, I would just say those two things. And God bless everyone. Everything comes from God. Every idea, every strength that we have, um, everything comes from Him and fuels us and yeah, gives us the power beyond all the human stuff. That's really the, the thing eh, is that God, you know, is God's power in our life and God's love and spirit, you know, which enables us to have this kind of energy and love for people 